After a busy 2017 poring over articles, dispatches, white papers, reports, and our own proprietary research, BAI has named artificial intelligence the trend of the year for 2018. That might be putting ourselves out there, but BAI's thought leadership team makes a compelling case for AI's ascendance in all its applications. How does this dominant trend break down into digestible chunks? To find out, we spoke with Holly Hughes, Carl Dahlgren, and President CEO Debbie Bianucci, members of the BAI leadership team. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. A happy 2018 from all of us here at BAI, and welcome to the first episode of Season 6. Fantastic to have you here with us. And speaking of fantastic, we have three of BAI's thought leaders all in the same room at our headquarters in Chicago, and they're ready to share their insights on artificial intelligence as our 2018 trend of the year. First, Debbie Bianucci, BAI's president and chief executive officer, we have Carl Dahlgren, the Managing Director at BAI, and Holly Hughes, who's our Chief Marketing Officer. And Debbie, we'll start with you. Technology moving the ball forward in banking is nothing new, of course, but AI is totally different. Tell us a little bit about what you see as the crucial difference or differences. Well, this technology is advancing so quickly, and there are more and more applications that the banks are experiencing, and they have real experience now with AI. And as we've seen in the past with other innovative technology, that's what seems to bring it to life for the industry. I think what is also happening is that so many of the applications for AI in the past have been around risk and security, which is important and it's valuable. But The ability to tie it into the way in which customer experience is enhanced has a multiplier effect for this, and it makes it that much more interesting and valuable and impactful for the banks. So I think that's part of why it's getting the kind of traction and momentum that we're seeing. The most important thing, though, is that as financial services leaders are looking at what they're trying to accomplish for their customers, that they see that AI applications will really make a difference in the way that they're able to serve their customers and differentiate from competitors. And that's what's really mattering at this point. Debbie, we've talked about this before in office conversations, this shortage of people with the ability and knowledge to develop and maintain AI solutions. What do financial services organizations need to do to reach that talent? And to what extent is talent competition from outside the banking world playing a role? Well, let's face it, attracting technology talent or people who are experienced and really good at innovative thinking is hard for any industry. And it's particularly hard and has been for financial services. Our research shows that the industry is getting better at this, though. And some of that, we think, is because you're seeing banks becoming more innovative. They're partnering with technology companies in different ways, which creates opportunities for different kinds of talent to be able to do well. But it's a challenge overall to be able to attract 
really good talent in technology and in particular with expertise in AI because it's so new. And that's why we see that a lot of banks are partnering with other companies or consulting firms that bring expertise to the table to help them. It's just a really tight market for that kind of talent. At BAI Beacon in October, you and Jim Maroos presented new research about AI adoption in the banking industry. What I'm curious about is what you think the potential consequences are, even in the short term, when banks fail to get their AI plan together. Well, Lou, I think the biggest risk is just falling behind. It's a fast-paced environment, and the way in which technology is adopted in our industry, the pace will probably be even faster. So if you're not really on top of your game in understanding what AI can do, how it fits in your strategies, what it is that you think that you want to pursue for your own organization, then you will simply fall behind and you'll watch competitors move ahead at lightning speed. Even if you're at a place in your organization where you're not quite sure yet where you will go, that doesn't mean there isn't a high priority to learn and explore how AI can and is being used in the industry. That can often happen in looking outside of the US as well. Sometimes inside the US we end up looking only at the financial services companies that we're familiar with. And one of the things that we see with our work in global innovation is there are other regions of the world that are far ahead. And so learning and exploring about what's happening out there can make a real difference in the way in which a bank can be prepared. Risk and security is a more mature use of AI, and yet there still are a lot of organizations that aren't really very far along in that. So that's a great place to start but with aspirations to enhance the customer experience in significant ways, which is where we think it'll really matter. Okay, Carl, it's your turn. Risk management and AI, they go hand in hand. How is the industry leveraging AI tools to make its companies and customers more secure? So the financial industry's core capability really revolves around evaluating risk. And One of the things that we've noticed within the research department of BAI is that there is significant growth in the online channel, so both opening up accounts in the online channel and the transactions that are taking place in the online channel. These types of transactions lend themselves to AI. There are millions and millions of transactions going across the web, going in and out of accounts, and AI is very effective at recognizing patterns in vast amount of data and understanding anomalies. And so they can pick out those anomalies accurately, and when those anomalies occur, it's going to make customers more secure. So for example, POS systems, right? So you can see what kinds of anomalies are taking place to help with credit card fraud or people that are trying to break into credit bureau systems, bad actors, being able to weed those out to help prevent identity fraud. And then certainly with mobile and online banking, there are areas where people are intervening in those transactions. Furthermore, there's a lot of bad actors out there evaluating continuously where the holes are in the system. And it's a bit of a whack-a-mole. So they find a hole, 
you find out that they're there, you close up that hole and they move on to the next hole. So it's called adaptive malware. And the bad actors are in fact using AI so that their malware can adapt to the situation and find new places. And so the way you combat that is to deploy AI yourself. So in a sense, you're forced to adopt AI to defend against those that have already adopted it. There were some high-profile battles fought over AI in the press. Elon Musk of Tesla and Mark Cuban were derisive about AI technology and expressed very open fears, while other innovators, uh, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, for example, were optimistic towards the technology. Now, what's your view on AI moving ahead into 2018 and beyond in terms of the dangers and the best potential? All these guys use AI, right? And there's nothing more interesting than seeing a battle of the titans discuss AI. I think what it does tell us is that this is technology that's important to look at. And there's been age-old arguments about whether or not you should move forward with a new model because there may or may not be repercussions and side effects. I don't believe that we should be snuffing out the oxygen because we're worried about fire. I think that what it'll do is give rise to commercial opportunities to address the risks that spin off of this technology adoption. So should we be concerned that there's going to be an apocalypse and robots are going to take over? I don't think that that will happen. And on top of that, I don't think robots will take over our jobs, although many young people are concerned that that'll happen. I think the nature of jobs will change. To bring this back to the financial industry, there's opportunities on both the revenue and the expense side. So we hear a lot about robo-advisors. I think that there's an opportunity for a low cost for people to get advice about their finances. And that doesn't necessarily mean what's the next stock they're going to buy, but what the next account they're going to open or what type of mortgage is correct for them. So this has broad application and then help banks sell their products. So that's on the revenue side. On the expense side, I think there's opportunity for chatbots to help customers perform transactions at a lower cost and then also taking fraud out of the system. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Some bad actors will use AI, but again, there'll be commercial opportunities to solve those problems with, in fact, fighting AI with AI, as I had mentioned previously. Finally, Carl, what do you feel the calls to action are in terms of what banks need to do today to begin implementing AI solutions? So I think we're in a bit of a prisoner's dilemma situation right now, and that is that the competition is adopting AI, and so are the bad actors. There is no choice but to adopt AI. And I think, depending on the size of your organization, you might have a different adoption strategy. But no matter the size, I think there needs to be an assignment of resources so that you don't have individual portions of your organization doing different things that might be redundant. Some of the larger banks have been involved in innovation labs. And what you see, I think, is mostly the AI is being adopted and placed into the innovation groups. Some of these banks on the larger side are making equity investments. Some are making whole-on acquisitions, buying companies in this space. Others are doing joint ventures and partnerships. The smaller organizations might be better off, instead of making equity investments and acquisitions, they may move more towards fintech partnerships and maybe have a strategy of being a quick adopter, a secondary adopter, so they don't have the arrows in their backs as a pioneer and incur all of those expenses. So depending on your size, I think everyone should be looking at this. 
but your strategy may change based on the size of your organization. Holly, you've got some thoughtful insights as well when it comes to customer expectations. The Ubers and the Amazons are out there and they've really trained customers to ask for more. What are some lessons that banks can learn in 2018 from the way these companies are using AI? Those other companies that you mentioned, Lou, they've set the bar really high. But I think there are some great key lessons that banks can take away from what they are doing and what general consumer expectations are. And they really revolve around greater speed, convenience, and more personalized experiences. So not just reacting, but anticipating needs, I think, is really where banking needs to look as it seeks to leverage AI. And the good news is that banks have data. They have lots of data. That is definitely an asset that they've got. The key is really to mine the data and look at what's most valuable to really create those authentic, meaningful experiences. Holly, we see that tangible excitement as more financial services organizations go about applying AI. Now, how do you see that technology being used from a customer-facing point of view beyond the chatbot? You know, in terms of convenience, I think the key play here is giving customers quick and easy access to their account information. That's really a great entry point for people who aren't in it yet. Carl touched on robo-advisors. That's also a great way to automate some things that can really add a lot of value very easily. I think one of the interesting areas to go deeper is around predictive analytics to really look at opportunities where you want to supplement and get that human element back in. So you can use AI for a lot of automation and convenience and speed like we talked about, but how can you also look at predictive analytics that then makes sense for a human to call, have a deeper, more meaningful conversation about maybe more complex financial services needs? There's some interesting work being done there. Pega Systems is taking a look at some things there, because I think when it comes to financial services, it's definitely a spectrum. So you've got to use AI where it matters most and where it can add the most value to the customer, but then know where to seamlessly get that human element back in to really take it to the next level and build a much deeper relationship. There's also this issue of smaller organizations that may want to get on board with AI but lack the resources. How can they do that? How can they get on board? And to what extent is contracting talent a good idea? What's crucial to making that work? We've talked about a number of different things. In terms of chatbots, there is a lot of good technology that's very accessible at this point. Facebook offers a kit that operates in Messenger, which is something that a smaller bank could definitely jump in, get their feet wet, and take a look at. Carl talked about them being fast followers, partnering with fintech companies. I think that solution provider element is especially strong for the smaller banks. The other opportunity, though, is for them to really band together. And I think that's something that we're looking at at BAI is how do we really help those smaller community banks join forces, learn from each other, adopt technology more collaboratively to better the industry overall. They have the benefit of not competing with one another, so they really can be very strong cohorts in that effort to ultimately make the ecosystem stronger when it comes to AI. So clearly a lot that small banks can do to get into the game and big banks are there and getting there. And of course, big thought leadership, it helps to know why AI is so important and why it matters. And Holly, thank you so much for sharing your observations today. And to you, Carl, and Debbie as well, it's going to be an exciting 2018 to see what the financial service industry will do in terms of artificial intelligence, and in turn, how artificial intelligence is going to change everything that we do. 
And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, there is a shift going on in the application of artificial intelligence that should make headlines in 2018. Whereas in the recent past, it was applied to security and risk, AI is now moving into the realm of customer experience. We'll see AI matter in a number of significant ways, yet it won't stand still in terms of the banking industry. So now is the time to learn, explore, prepare, and apply. Number two, BAI research reveals significant online channel growth in terms of transactions and account activity. With millions of transactions, AI is ideally situated to note patterns within vast amounts of data and spot anomalies. The strongest case to adopt AI in 2018 is because bad actors are already adopting it. It may be a prisoner's dilemma, but it's one we must recognize. The good news is that we can fight bad AI with good AI. And number three, if you're looking to get involved in AI, consider the consumer touch points, which include quick and easy access to account information and the offering of robo-advisory services. A deeper dive into AI can lead you into the world of predictive analytics where you can introduce a human element that builds deeper relationships and gives customers a chance to experience the best of both worlds. And now BAI Banking Strategies brings you the aha moment where our podcast guest shines a light on that point in time where realization, revelation, or exploration made all the difference in their financial services career. Here, BAI President and CEO Debbie Bianucci talks about what it was like to grow up in a banking family and how family tradition evolved for her over time into lifelong mission. My dad was the president of a community bank, and I needed a part-time job, and I started filing checks. And I did all the different jobs in the bank that they would allow a high school kid to do, from proof operator to teller to personal banker. I was a clerk in the trust department. The aha moment for me, though, was when I was working for a guy at the first bank I was at professionally, the old Norwest Bank, now Wells Fargo. And he took me under his wing, and he encouraged me to go back and get my MBA, which I did. And to this day, I can tell you hardly a day goes by that I don't use something that I learned in those early days in the bank and when I went back to school in ways that have changed how we approach what we do here at BAI. And I will be forever, ever grateful to the vision that he had and ultimately turning it into a lifelong career that is part of my passion for the banking industry. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. And 2018 is a great time to do a number of things through BAI.org. First of all, if you haven't done so, subscribe to our daily newsletter. It's free to sign up. And be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. You can catch me on LinkedIn. Be sure to connect. I'm Lou Carloso, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you soon. So long.